Welcome to the Conversion Tracking Playbook, where we share how to overcome tracking challenges that e-commerce brands face today and real-world examples of transforming data into insights. Welcome back to another episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. I'm your host, Brad Redding, and today... We're going to go through some quick news updates with recent LOVR releases that I'm getting questions about. It's a new year. Everyone's catching up. And then secondly, we're going to dive into propensity scoring. You may have heard us talk about this on my last episode with Jim Swift from Buxton. You're going to hear more about this in 2024 from LOVR and what's rolling out for you, our customers. So let's start with just a few updates. So the... First one is Google Consent Mode V2. I had a podcast about a month or two ago that went through the details of this and when it rolls out, when you have to be in, uh, in compliance by, which is March. Last week, so actually two weeks ago, we released our update. So you can upgrade your LOVR tracking to be compliance, not the right word, compatible, but you can integrate, make sure all of your tracking is working with the V2 version of Consent Mode from Google. That way you can take advantage of the new categories that they're using. Uh, to put it another way, if you don't upgrade, so if you have consent mode enabled today and you don't go through and upgrade to the V2 version, then you're essentially going to cut off your remarketing, primarily with Google uh, specifically. But So just keep that in mind. If you don't do the upgrade, both within your consent settings as well as um, mapping that to your LFR setup, remarketing will take a nosedive. So that's the first update. The second one, we've had a bunch of new destinations, some that have rolled out of beta, some that we've released into a public beta where you see it visible on your dashboard, and then others that are in private betas that you don't see. I'm just going to run through all everything that we have available, which falls in one of those three categories. Attentive, Awin, Bing, Critio, Facebook, GA4, Google Ads, Impact Radius, Iterable, Clavio, Outbrain, Partnerize, Pinterest, Postscript, Google PubSub, Rakuten, Sendlane, ShareASale, Smartly, Snapchat, Taboola, TikTok, Universal Analytics. Oh man, I miss UA. But UA360s, you still love UA. You don't know what GA4 is. And last but not least, Volume. So those are the server-side destinations that we have available. More that we are working with and enhancing. So just hit us up if you need any help setting up any of those destinations. Most importantly, potentially, will be the checkout extensibility. So at, I forget the exact date, but at some time in November, Shopify rolled out the thank you page. So checkout extensibility was essentially checkout.liquid is gone. It's replaced with checkout extensibility. But you still had the order status page script section in your settings. I believe it was November, Shopify released an update to checkout extensibility that now allows you to upgrade to include checkout extensibility with your order status thank you page. Now, the important thing, this is not just an LFR setting. It's likely you have years and years of different tracking scripts or maybe code that's doing UI things within that block. If you enable the checkout extensibility order status page, so the thank you page, if you enable CE for that, that whole block goes away. So anything that's in that block is not going to execute on the thank you page. 
with Elevar specifically, if you are going that route or you have already gone that route, we do have a, uh, a tracking script that you can paste into your web pixel settings. So basically, it just moves any client-side tracking that you might have with Elevar from that order status page to the web pixel manager. So there'll be a link in the show notes if this is you. So you can check that out and get our help with that. And also one more note on the consent mode. By the time you listen to this, the email is probably has already gone out. But we're offering so anyone who has consent mode enabled, we I think we targeted everyone properly to send you a personal email, personalized email. Uh, but if you want us to handle your LFR update for this, just let us know. It, it's not. It takes ten minutes, maybe. So we're happy happy to help there. Alrighty, on to propensity scoring. So if you're watching the video here, I have a bunch of notes that I'll be going back and forth between. But what I want to start with is a general overview on propensity scoring. So propensity scoring really isn't it isn't anything new. I'm going to try to keep this out of the weeds for the most part, just so you can understand what it is. And I'm going to use an example that may, may not be exactly be propensity scoring, but Clavio. So inside your Clavio dashboard, I think it used to be on the right rail of the profile section. It's probably still there. But you'd have that little speedometer that would be essentially give you a sense of how valuable that customer might be or what when the expected next, like when's the next best time to email that person. Uh, Clavio has a, their own AI landing page now that will give a few more examples of that. But essentially what we're really talking about with propensity scoring is it's predicting the likelihood of a customer taking a specific action. So let's just use ecom and 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 that, that example, Clavio. It's what's the likelihood a customer is going to purchase for a first time? What's the likelihood a customer is going to renew their extras their membership at a gym? So predicting gym membership renewal using their exercise habits. What's the likelihood of a customer buying a second time, or buying in the next week, or buying in the next day? You can really just Fill in your own blanks there with a sentence. So you define that goal that you are trying to target. So again, likelihood that a customer is going to purchase or likelihood that a customer is going to look like one of your top LTV customers. And then you go through the exercise of building the model that will score the customer. Now, the, the process of building a propensity score model, so just think 0 to 100 where... 100 is they are most likely to do the thing that you are trying to measure. And zero is they're least likely to do the thing that you are trying to measure. Most often, it involves a few, so let's just say three data sources or three inputs. There could be many more, but I think generally three buckets. User attributes, so their location, how did they arrive on site? So it could be what channel did they come from? who they are. So this gets into potentially their, you know, just think Experian and household data and what car they drive and where they like to go on vacation. What are their favorite brands? If you go back to uh, Quantcast, like I don't know if many of you still use that Quantcast tag that you, you would plug in and you'd log in your Quantcast dashboard and it'd give you all like psychographic and demographic data based on your uh, users that are browsing the site. That's what I mean about, that's one example of, of user attributes. 
So that would be one one example input, which could be a narrow version of that if you just think Google Analytics data, so location, device. The second input type would be around product behaviors. So uh, how are they interacting with products on site? What brand, what color, what categories? How many times do they view products? How many times do they add pro- a specific product to cart? And you can expand that out. And then the third is the actions that a user is taking. So they're key actions. So the key actions could be an add to cart. Obviously, once the closer you get to purchase, could signal that they are more likely to purchase. Again, if that's what we're trying to build and score is the propensity to make a purchase or a repeat purchase. Uh, but it can include other things like signing up for a newsletter, uh, using a promo code, adding to wish list. Maybe it's opening multiple emails or opening a specific SMS message. So these, a lot of the actions that we talk about, they are many times driven from your event tracking. So it could be tracking that you were pushing to Google Analytics, which ultimately could funnel back into your uh, data foundation or data warehouse. Or it could be, there's a dog barking in the background. It completely, completely threw off my train of thought. Anyway, so all the event tracking that you're setting up on site, that's that's what's driving a lot of these actions. So that, think of like actions, what are people doing on, on the website? If it's a retail store or if it's a gym or something like that, what are people doing inside there? Are they using 10 machines? Are they whatever? Again, I'll, I'll stay away from the, the retail. I'll find examples for now. There's a, a webinar from, I think, a year or two ago from InfoTrust that I'll add into the show notes as well, which is a, a really good video with Google, a couple of product managers from Google. And they were talking about the, the process of building up a propensity score for, I think it was a, a, an apparel brand. And they, they really highlighted the fact that going beyond just your standard event tracking, so beyond a page view, a product view, an add to cart, a begin checkout, Going beyond that to start adding a lot of this custom event tracking, if you've been around Elevar for, gosh, more than a year, you know how much event tracking has been near and dear to our heart. We have the Chrome extension to help and make make it really easy to create custom events that you push into GA4. Now in the whole world of GA4, that can be funneled into BigQuery, and then that's where they can get into all of this type of data modeling and into just the uh, the walls of Google and all the different products that they offer. But that was that was really, really interesting to me to hear them actually say, the product managers from, from Google actually say, all of these additional events, the newsletter signups, the promo codes, etc., that help them build a smarter propensity model. Because it just, they're able to analyze all of the people that purchased... So everyone that went through, they're collecting 30 days worth of data to help build their model. Just making this up. This wasn't exactly what their explanation was. But they're collecting 30 days worth of data, or call it three years worth of data, a purchase data. And they're able to see, okay, these people that purchased, 50% of them uh, signed up for a newsletter. 30% of them uh, clicked on an add to wish list. 25% of them click the size guide and start layering over things or just looking at those those through a different dimension, that was able to help them build a smarter model. And I think the explanation they used was the old way that this brand was looking at a quote-unquote engaged user on site was a non-balanced visitor. We 
if you're an LVAR customer, you know that's that's not going to be the best the best mid funnel metric. So they were arguing that using all these custom events to understand what your what were your purchasers doing, and then built using that to help build in a you know a custom mid funnel event, which could be that a person do this or do this or do that, and that becomes your your custom conversion or custom mid mid custom and mid funnel conversion. That was just to put a wrap on the input. So we talked about user attributes, product behaviors, and then the event actions. I really wanted to take the time to talk through and reinforce why going one level deeper in your tracking outside of just the base tracking can be critical for not just the accuracy of your analysis. So if you're just missing a whole bunch of events, if you're missing a start checkout events or you're missing product views or you have add to cart events on or on quick view, but you're not capturing those for whatever reason, that's just going to make your analysis for attribution very difficult. However, in the next 12 months, you are going to see more and more offerings in this world of propensity scoring or AI scoring, whether it's built in a Clavio or whether it's a solution like an LOVR Buxton combination or someone else out there, who, whatever. It's going to be built into most products at some point. So if you are if you have those gaps, it's it's going to hurt your attribution analysis today, but it may also impact this propensity scoring or the the AIs that are going to help do all this analysis for you and then create these models. So that that is the inputs for propensity scoring. Again, just to make sure I'm not going off on a tangent too far. Propensity scoring, predicting the likelihood that a user is going to take a certain action in order to create the base model that we're going to score your existing users. So let's just say we are going, we're, we want to predict what's the likelihood uh, that a customer is going to purchase in order to create that model to, when you start running, think about your real-time analytics or real-time users running through this model where it's like a conveyor belt, where it's going through a closed loop where someone comes on your site, they get passed off into this model the model scores them a zero or a 10 or a 70 or an 80. And then that send comes back and then you send that to Clavio or an audience in Google or Facebook. In order for that scoring to happen, that base model needs to take place. And that base model requires your historical, a, a historical data set. The more, basically the more data, the better. There's no like, has to be a year, has to be six months, the more, the better. And that historical data set Purchases at the minimum, but when you start getting purchase data and address data, that's where the prediction that you'll see from Elevar Buxton in the future will differ from potentially just a uh, a SaaS platform. I don't know what Clavio is doing. I don't know what others are doing, but what we want to do is start adding in that third party enrichment. So understanding who the user is, not just what they've done on site. So what I mean by that is. Someone, any of these trackers that are on site, they're going to track, know the page views you're going to, going to know what buttons you're clicking on, what categories you're clicking through, etc. But it's like a stick figure because it doesn't have a personality. That It's just, what, are, what is that person, what are they doing on site? Where'd they go? what they look at? When did they leave? When we start enriching it with, okay, this is what that person does here's some of the demographics the you know age or gender or what are their affinities what do they like to do you can start to fill in that stick figure to look more like a 3d person that's where 
when it comes to that, again, building that base model, yes, having purchase and click activity on site is great. It's necessary. You need that. You need to know from the historical data, historical customers who's purchased, but the ability to have that model constructed off of their online and their offline activity, again, that who the stick figure to the 3D version can make a propensity model significantly more accurate and or useful. So closed loop, again, before you can start scoring customers, you need to feed the engine, feed the model, your historical data, customer and order data. So you can start to put together the pieces of what do your best customers look like? Who are they? And then ultimately, just think like a stack rank of all of your customers. If they were scored, they might have different attributes, most likely to buy in the weekend or most likely to purchase through direct mail or most likely to purchase through this channel, most likely to what offer do they uh, resonates with them? Or is it a buy one, get one, or is it a free gift? Whatever. So you can keep going deeper and deeper. And then as we run customers through that full cycle is we want that live traffic that's coming through to go through your propensity model. And then that live customer comes out and it's returned with those characteristics of this customer is scored an 80 they are highly likely to purchase in the next seven days if they're served an offer of X. So if they receive an offer of free gift with purchase and most likely to purchase on this channel, let's just say on a direct mail, just as a, a different version than like a Facebook ad or digital and this, the time of day. So they're a weekend, they're a weekend shopper, weekend buyer versus a Wednesday night or SMS. You know, don't, don't send SMSs during the day because whatever, whatever reason. And that's what when that's just one customer that comes through. But once you have that enriched customer and their marketing profile, just 100x that or 1000x that, 10,000x that, depending on your traffic, that's what creates the audiences that you can then, those are connected with, think of an audience in Google, an audience in Meta, lists or segments in Klaviyo those get pumped back into those channels as audiences. And now the can- your campaigns can, you can either A-B test or if it's, you just have one campaign running towards this audience, then you can, you'd want to start looking at the effectiveness. So is this audience converting better or worse or the same as just the existing uh, targeting or setup that you have for that particular channel? The, again, the, the linked webinar that uh, reference where the two Google product managers were going through just describing a little bit of this, they're, they're talking very specific to Google, which some of you that maybe 50 plus percent of your business, so it's likely very relevant. But they're going to go through potentially how instead of bidding on a purchase conversion, so the example they used in, in this particular webinar was what's the likelihood that a customer uh, becomes a repeat purchaser within 12 months? So this brand wanted to find more what they were describing as a high value customer and a high value customer to them was somebody who purchased two or more times in a 12 month period. And then what Google, Google's team went through is they downloaded, ingested all their historical data, built a model, did that overlap of, okay, what, what were their event actions? What were they doing on site? Their top 20 model inputs from largest to smallest percentage of what people are doing, uh, discount percentage, they're adding to cart, South Atlantic region, they're on a Mac, they view an account page, they view the coming soon page, they sign up for email. 
So they're just, they have a, it's a bar chart that goes through showing what the model inputs for their purchase, their purchasers were doing. So again, they created a new mid funnel goal of instead of a non, a non bounced user being a quote unquote high value user, Google is sharing, Hey, instead of bidding uh, your activation just against a purchase conversion, what about doing a custom conversion that takes into account? Okay. If they view an account page, that's $10. If they, View a product page, that's another $10. So to combine a bunch of actions, and then that would be a custom formula for the conversion value. That actually, complete side tangent here, high management output from the Mark Robert's from HubSpot, or high growth output, high management output. Well, I can't remember the exact title, but Mark Robert's book. He has a couple of chapters that goes through this. It's a little bit more in the B2B SaaS world, but it's, it's like lead scoring and it's... Calculating lead lead scoring, it's because there's a little bit more of a leading indicator. So what I mean by lead scoring would be ten dollars for viewing account for viewing an account page, ten dollars for viewing a pre-order page, or fifteen dollars for signing up for an email, whatever it is. So you you assign a value, kind of like with goals, how you d- used to do that, or we used to do that with some customers. And Universal Analytics is define uh, a goal value for an ad to cart or product view action. So. Bringing this back out of that Google, uh, the Google webinar that I'm referencing that you can you can watch as well. But ultimately, again, what you're trying to deliver or the benefit to you or the so what is you get these your customers. So if you're paying for all these customers coming to the site, and obviously you're paying for a ton of remarketing, you're paying for remarketing through Meta, you're paying for emails and SMSs going out. And the idea is you want to probably spend less money on remarketing and increase your conversion rate for finding and, and converting those best customers, bringing them back to site. That is like the goal goal or the so what for what I'm describing here in this example for building a propensities model, a propensity score, scoring your customers, putting them into different audiences, activating those through contextual targeting or bidding against them or including, excluding, whatever it might be, sending unique uh, segments or flows to them. Ultimately, so you are spending less to make more. You can A-B test these. So you can A-B test if we just talk Klaviyo or even the, the Google audiences. If you just have right now a fairly generic structure or segment or campaign going out, I'll, let me use just Klaviyo instead of getting into the world of Google where it's a little bit more complicated. But if you just have generic remarketing, so if someone comes to the site, they sign up for an email, they don't buy... They, you put them on a nurture list. So they're going to get emails and promos and all that. And if you have a propensity score model in place as running, then you could look at segmenting. So doing a holdout test. So X, num- X percentage of people are going to get your normal flow. Once they enter, they answer that flow. So if you have 10,000 people that sign up for an email, maybe 7,000 are going to go down your normal flow where they have no idea that this propensity scoring magic is happening. And then 3,000 are being funneled into this new flow. And maybe you just, maybe you keep it simple and you just have a, a couple different uh, designs or creative or messaging. It's probably a little bit more copy than it is around creative, but you just, you talk to them a little bit differently. So in this case, let's say instead of just doing the likelihood of buy, it's a uh, very likely that this person or this set of people are going to be very similar to your top spenders. Ideally, you have a little bit more information to attach to that. So it could be the offer that they're interested in. 
And again, you can you can get this through many models. So if you get that offer, so whether it's uh, doesn't have to be a discount per se, an offer can be anything. Then you can start teasing that and testing that through these different flows. But again, if you just have this 30% of traffic that you're testing against and testing messaging or depending on what, what model is availability or attributes within the model you have, then you can start including that in the messaging. Not necessarily so you're talking one-to-one. This is certainly not a one-to-one personalization example. But instead of just getting the batch and blast generic emails, they are getting potentially something that's a little bit more unique uh, or, or custom that you may, depending on how you talk to your high-value customers or the product mix that works best for your high-value customers or the benefits, whatever it might be, you might add some of that in. Just spitballing here. By no means am I an email marketing expert. I'll leave that to uh, to others that uh, can help and maybe I'll bring, bring one on as we start testing some of this. So I, I don't want to go too much farther. I think be curious to get some input from you all as 2024 to to me is is going to be a a year that I think there's going to be a big transition where programmatic so automated audiences automating automating sends automating bidding propensity scoring automation I think it's going to be a big year for that obviously there's some bias with what, the direction that we're going in as a company with Elevar however I can tell you in Q4, spoke to many, many as a you know, 10-ish customers that they were asking, they're already asking me for this. Hey, how can we, how can we automate a lot of our messaging? How can we be more personal? How can we do more one-to-one personalization? They were having directives from their leadership, their teams to do better in 2024. It's not necessarily just because the AI is going is continuing to evolve rapidly. But the macro economy. So if you look at the signups, which you're not looking at, it's a podcast. When I look at the what's the number one goal for signing for Elevar, number one goal you're trying to achieve right away, the word profit is has come up a lot more recently. And that is a signal that companies, all companies, not just D2C or e-com companies, are all having to get smarter and more efficient and better operators because money is not free anymore. So the interest rate is whatever the interest rate is. You have to be, companies have to be profitable and they have to be, have to be more efficient with customer acquisition. So the market's going to pull this out of us. So you're not just wasting potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars on email and SMS sends when 40% of those customers were never in a position or ready to buy. So if you can just cut out all that waste as one example, but still have the same revenue, that would be a huge win. So that is the reason why I think we're, I'm getting those questions, we're getting those questions, and why I see this. Clavio's rolling out their AI just to help predict better customer reactions. We're doing our thing in LFR and other companies will, will be doing their, their own. So that's a little bit about propensity scoring. A few examples. Hopefully you're able to follow me. It's bouncing around a few different examples here in my notes. And... Uh, yeah, I'd love to hear feedback. So if this was helpful, shoot me a note. If you want to hear more on this, you can also shoot me a note. Uh, just email me, brad at getelevar.com or you can hit me up on LinkedIn and shoot me a DM. Uh, just running through. Okay, so I had benefits. So some basic benefits of, per, of propensity scoring, increasing conversion rates, 
more uh, personalized experiences, optimizing your uh, resource allocation, which I just mentioned, and uh, reducing customer acquisition costs. So that's it. That's propensity scoring V1 101. I will see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Conversion Tracking Playbook. In order to help spread the word and just support the podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, share it on Twitter, share it on LinkedIn, send it to colleagues, or just send me feedback. I love reading feedback. I appreciate it. Many of the guests that have been on here, they've just emailed saying, hey, I'd love to join. Here's some topics. That could be you. Just shoot me an email or hit me up on LinkedIn. My email is brad at getallofar.com. And if you enjoy this podcast, and you want to give us a rating, I would appreciate that as well. You can rate us on Spotify, Apple, wherever you are listening to this. But at the end of the day, if you could just share this and let others learn more about the world that you live in, the world that I live in with e-commerce and conversion tracking, I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.